everyone. Welcome back to the Raptor Show. I'm your host, Alex Wong. Will Lou still vacationing somewhere on the Amalfi Coast? Although, I think by the time this episode comes out, he's probably on a flight back. So, we're going to regroup on Friday. We might do another episode on Friday. I don't know. I'm recording like four episodes this week um, to, to hold it down for him. But we'll be back on air next Monday, October 17th, 2 to 3 p.m. So, everybody... Uh, you know, who usually tunes in on YouTube, Sportsnet 360, on Sportsnet Fan Finder, the fan on the radio or the podcast feed. Um, you know, I hope you're as, as excited as uh, my voice right now. Uh, follow us on Twitter at The Raptor Show. Um, you know, we've been doing a lot of NBA previews this week. Uh, thought I'd have to, you know, switch back to some Raptors content. Uh, so I thought I'd bring on uh, another special guest, Savannah Hamilton, who, you know, uh, Raptor Show listeners are familiar with. We had her on regularly during last season but now she's coming to us with a with a new title she's the new sideline reporter for sportsnet for for the raptors uh savannah first of all congratulations will also dm'd me and and made sure uh for for me to tell you that he also wants to send his congrats to you as well oh oh okay already having the love on this show okay yeah no thank you guys i appreciate that a lot um uh, I, I mean when the opportunity came um you know, I was, I was thrilled and I am very appreciated of it. And, and you guys, of course, you guys have had me on for you know, like a year now. You guys haven't gotten sick of me. So, you know, all these all these appearances and everything, they all, it all adds up. So I appreciate the, the warm wel- welcome and wishes. Yeah, well, all I'm going to say is, you know, I, I know, you know, I've told you this, like, you know, you're, you're getting big time, you know, you're already big time. And, and just, you know, oh. you already made, you already pushed this podcast by half an hour, because uh, apparently you had an important meeting uh, to go to. This is this is what big time people start doing to me. Um, you know, Stop so, ho- so hopefully, so hopefully, so hopefully we'll still be able to, you know, have you in studio join us uh, uh, this year. And especially because you're, you're part of the Sportsnet team now. So I feel like this is part of your obligation. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> you're like it, you're like it, not at all. <laughs> is it is it an obligation or are we just friends, Alex? Like, you know, I, I would do it for a friend anyway. So yeah, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Friendship. That's right. That's right. This That's is right. This, this is all this is all based based on friendship. No, but I'm really excited for you. Um, you know, the only thing I'm disappointed about is um, you know, as you know, as our media friends know. Uh, you know, I am the Woj of Toronto uh, sports media, and, yes. and usually I, I hear these things uh, weeks in advance. Uh, <laughs> but you know, there, no, no one out there, no source was able to come through and give me this information early. So I found out at the same time as all the civilians when when you posted <laughs> your announcement uh, over the weekend. So congratulations uh, for for once, uh, nobody leaked any news to me, and I found out by surprise. Yo, <laughs> um, I, f- I feel like that was like backhanded. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not backhanded. I'm just friend of me. <laughs> no, I'm just personally upset. Just say that you're bad. No, but no, I'm not. Listen, I wasn't expecting you to tell me directly. I know a lot of these things can be very confidential and you want to make sure that everything is finalized uh, before yeah. you make your announcements. Uh, but I usually have, you know, a couple birdies around that, that usually will just like, you know, have some news for me. So so if anything, I'm expressing my, uh, you know, anger at, at my sources. No, nobody came ah. through on this one for me. Yeah. Ah, OK, OK. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, yeah, I had to keep it super hush. I, and it also happened so fast. I think that's part yeah. of the reason why word didn't spread um, sure. it, it, like between me 
being, you know, doing what I was doing before with like MLSE producing, hosting, all that stuff to now taking on this new role. Um, It all happened within like the span of a week. And in that week, it was like, say absolutely nothing because they wanted to make sure that like, you know, all ends were uh, taken care of and tied and properly Uh handled and everything, all that, all the political stuff um, dealt with appropriately uh, and and rightfully so, sure, um, before, you know, before the news got out. And so I was respectful of that for sure. But, you know, still got a, I still have appreciation for you, Alex. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) It's all love here. (laughs) You know, the the takeaway is that, you know, your your inner circle, uh, you know, didn't whisper this to anybody um or, or at least no one no one important enough that it got back to me but no also you know obviously shouts uh shouts to amy um you know i know amy Audibert, you know um you know announced recently too that she's you know she was moving on from sportsnet to another opportunity um and you know just waiting to to, to see what she's gonna be up to next um yeah or at least that's what i'm gonna say publicly i guess no but we're gonna have oh, see you have gonna, your insights we're gonna have amy on um you know i've been talking to amy we're gonna have amy on during the season um you know hopefully you know sooner rather than later to to chat about it because you know same same as you as well you know i I think you know people uh, especially listening to the raptor show got really familiar with yourself with amy and a lot of other people last season and and the thing i told amy was like listen like i I think your your public announcement um you know was great it was heartfelt but i also want to give her the platform to just kind of chat about her experience of covering the raptors last season and then be able to just have a more extended conversation um you you know about her time um you know with sportsnet and things like that so you know we've i've been talking to her so hopefully we'll have her on um you know uh during the during closer to the start of the season or or over the next couple weeks you know and i know you're friends with amy so yeah absolutely oh yeah no i i had a, a good conversation with amy uh as well like like recently and and you know just like extending uh you know uh my like my 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 words in terms of hey Amy you left me uh some big shoes to fill eh like <laughs> like you know she she was amazing covering the Raptors last season for for Sportsnet and like she's a friend of mine as well she co-hosted Swish inside the WNBA with me over the off mm-hmm. season and she just uh and on top of that for any listeners like you, you know you always wonder maybe how these people you know in the media are well like like amy's good people like yeah. you know and people could put up a like you know speak in any job people could put up a front on how sure. they you know perceive sure. to be but sure. like there's but then you get to know people for real and like amy is one of the nicest most like kindest human beings i have met in my life period like not even um outside of like you know just covering the raptors like well uh you know she's a great friend she's uh, a mentor she's been in this industry for a while like she's just I, I don't know the list goes on with her and anybody who follows her just know you're following a, a really good human being no no definitely and i can i can 100 percent vouch for that and and you know uh, i think across different industries especially with this one and you know i think i think you'll agree too sometimes it's really hard to find those those people you know what I yeah. mean? Like, like yeah. there's great, there's, there's even great people that you work with that you might not ever develop those close friendships and relationships with. Um, Absolutely. And, and, you know, like I know Amy was traveling a lot last season as, as you will be this season. And, and, you know, you know, it was, it was hard to like, you know, really have the time to really get to know her in that way. Like aside from, you know, obviously having her uh, be on our show uh, and talk about the Raptors. But, you know, I, I think just from just the brief interactions with her, I think I echo 
everything that you say. And people should people should take my words with with some weight too, because you know, as Savannah will vouch, you know, I, I hate everybody in this industry. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine public, what you think about me, reveal. Alex. Public Tell reveal. me how you really feel. No, no, no new no, friends no, no. in the industry. No new friends. <laughs> no, no. You, you know I'm a hater, Savannah. Um, but anyways, oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think. You know, I'm I'm really excited for you. I know you've done kind of this role, kind of in different capacities. Obviously, um, you know, covering you know G League, CBL, and other things. Um, I'm most excited um, for you because I was thinking about this role for you, and like you've already had, you've already built such great relationships with it, with I think a lot of people, right, on the team. Like, like yeah. I think I think the organization is familiar with you. Um, you know, from from the front office to the coaching staff to the players, and especially a lot of the players who are now fighting for like inner roster positions. I'm thinking of guys like Justin Champagny or even like Delano Banton, who spent some time with the 905 last year. So, you know, I, I know you're you're probably putting you know high expectations on on yourself, um, you know, in in this role as you should. But but I I don't think you should stress too much because I think you already got that head start with all those relationships. Uh, I I feel very fortunate to have had the opportunity to to build some of those relationships, um, you know, like, and and you know I don't take that for granted one bit, and I'm very appreciative of MLSC for giving me those opportunities to do so. Like between you know, like you used to, I won't say tease me, but like <laughs> kind of like like what aren't you doing at MLSC? I, I produce, I, I host, I report, mm-hmm. and like I don't sleep. Um, mm-hmm. But with that being said, like you know. It, it does put you in front of a lot of people at the same time. Um, and so I think I'm very fortunate for coming into this new role. And you're right, like I have built a lot of relationships in terms of like front office even, right? Like um, getting to know the PR team a lot better, but that's not even just from being on air at all, actually. That's from being a producer and like working in the EDI space, which the Raptors are very passionate about. And so, and so am I. Um, and so like, you know, they have to approve my work as a producer. Um, and so anything I've done for them, like they've had to give me the green light or the red light or go back to the drawing board. But for the most part, I guess I could be, you know, humbly, uh, I could humbly say that they've given me just pretty much green lights. Um, but otherwise, like, you know, I've, so I've kind of built that. And so they've seen my work and the perspective that I come from um, before ever be, really being on camera. And then so now be on camera, like they know that I'm, I'm careful and I take pride in making sure we're telling a story in a very, um, like I will say equal fair light, um, and being very mindful of the nuances of who we're talking about and how we're talking about them too. And I've tried to use that to translate to the nine Oh five. And like, luckily, like, you know, there's tons of two way players on the Raptors right now, Delano being one of them that saw tons of time with the 905 and he was always like the story when he came down to the 905 because um he's obviously a star like he was dropping 30 points a game 20 points like I think he almost had a 40 point game like Justin Champagny had a 40 point game um and so those are the same guys that are now fighting for those roster spots with the Raptors and like you know Delano saw me at uh, you know media day and I wasn't even like officially or, or nothing that I didn't even know that I would be having the role as sideline reporter at the time for, for Raptors. And he came up to me and he gave me a good fist bump and he's like, Oh, so good to see you. And I was like, yo, good to see you too, Delano. Cause the last time we saw each other was like summer league. Um, so just being around the team, being around the organization, um, familiar even with like Bobby Webster, 
Um, still have to be a bit more familiar with Maasai, but I'm sure that will come. No, you can't. You can't. You can't uh, walk within like ten feet of Maasai. Yeah, exactly. Uh, with, with, <laughs> but Maasai is giving me nods. You know, without those, me- a Raptor security man, Mister Atelier, um, you know, potentially just like you know, kicking us out and banning us. He forever. has. He has. Yeah, yo, yo, he's. <laughs> there's he's, there's like this invisible Maasai's, force field around Maasai always. There is. There is. He just, he gives me a head nod, and I will take that as a good thing. You know, like the, it's the head nod that that counts. That's all you need. No, that's right. That's right. I got a dap from him on on, on media day, and I wanted to be like, "Yo, tell me what? right now." If you, I'm like, "Tell me right now if you know who I am, please." Like, I just, yo, I need, I need this validation in this very moment. Um, oh, so. yo, he definitely knows who you are. No, show us, are- show us to my show us to Bobby. Uh, Bobby's more approachable. Bob, Bobby's Bobby's uh, great. way more approachable. Although, yeah, I need to take my interactions with Bobby more seriously. You know, the last time I saw him um, at Global Jam, I like asked him to to see his phone. Because it was during the height of the KD rumors, <laughs> I, was like, I, think, I, I was like, I, I just want to see, I just want to see what, 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 what your best trade offer is, and um, you know, we haven't spoken since, so, so you know, we got to do some repairing there. So. <laughs> no, but I think, I think that's a great thing, and I think it's one thing that I'm personally um, am jealous of. Like, listen, like, you know, I, I am, you know, appreciative, um, even though I never sound like it on air um of of this role that i'm in being able to produce um yeah. you know the raptor show and co-host and work with will like it's honestly great um yeah and you know will the other day was like oh this is a top three media job in the city i'm like yo it's top one uh yeah. no i'm sure there are other great jobs no honestly but like nah, I, I think i think just <laughs> i think just from like an appreciation standpoint but it's like i am jealous because like obviously we're tied to the daily schedule we're here doing the show um, just, just being able to like build those relationships with the team and the players, I, I think is really special. And I think a lot of times people might look at a sideline reporting role because you're not getting like 40 or 45 minutes of say like airtime during a game, um, that, you know, you might, you know, people don't see like all the behind the scenes, right? Yeah. Like, like people can only see kind of maybe the little tidbits that you're able to work into the broadcast, but like all those come from the day to day of, of just like really developing that trust with with the players and and coaches and that's the other thing about the locker rooms opening up again like yeah you know i think you know you know back before covid like being able to be in those locker rooms you know i know a lot of times people uh maybe fans too like just because they don't maybe they don't understand kind of like the locker room dynamic i think it's easy for people to point to it and say like oh like what's the point of having all these reporters in here um, like, like the players are just going to say their same three quotes after a win or loss, but it's like so many of those relationships are built just from like offhand conversations that you have, yes. you know, stuff that you don't see on air. And then, and they're built through, you know, the interactions that you have in, in the locker room. And like, I can't tell you for like any sports media person, especially people kind of coming up, um, like being able to have that visibility with the players and coaches is like so important, you know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you nailed it right there. Um, and just like, yeah, having the visibility and just being a good person that like anybody would want to hang out with, right? Like that just mm-hmm. goes a long way. Like, like, you know, it doesn't matter what your title is. Like, are you cool? Like, like, are you a nice person? Do I want to talk to you? <laughs> no, are you like, cool? You should have just ended at, are you cool? Yeah. Are you cool? <laughs> is this high school? <laughs> How cool? Sports <laughs> media industry is high school, by the way. But, you know, I guess we can save that for another that's time. A, that's a whole podcast to itself. We could break down the <laughs> analytics of high school and compare it to this industry, I swear. Oh, <laughs> a popular crowd. <laughs> no, but, but I'm just thinking too, like, you know, I remember being in the locker rooms, like just kind of pregame and getting to know guys like Mark, like Fred and even jv when he was here yeah. like some of these guys love to chat 
and like um yeah i guess i can share this one i, I might have shared this one but it's like I, I remember like interacting with og a lot especially during um his his first couple seasons here uh just because of the locker room access and i don't know if you remember there was one game when i think it was either jr smith or kelly Oubre who wore like the supreme branded shooting sleeve um, okay it was like this red supreme sleeve and it was like a huge deal because i want to say the nba actually came out and like like you know find him or something because it was like it broke some of the dress code rules like you wore it on the court and og was like a huge fan of the streetwear brand supreme and like this mm-hmm. is like the only thing that we would talk about um and, and the joke is always like we had one of those conversations one time just about like streetwear and he was asking me stores to check out in toronto and then at the end of the conversation he asked me how old i was and i was like i'm 35 and then oh, i think he like completely judged me because like he because like i was rolling like a 23 year old oh, and God. he thought and he thought like you know me like like i skew young but it's like it's like you know i dress and i act uh, you know probably younger totally. uh, than my age um some people would call it immature uh, but like <laughs> but like yeah, i think he was just very taken aback like oh my god this guy's like 16 years uh older than me probably at that time but anyways so so um so they wore the supreme so he actually asked me the next game after all that stuff happened because he had the shooting sleeve and he was like he was like before the game he was like hey you think if i wear this i'll get in trouble he's like do you think kyle will get mad at me because like he was just like really worried about like maybe like taking too much attention uh, yeah. you know, from, from the rest of the team. And obviously OG is just not the type to, to like seek attention onto himself. Yeah. Um, so, so I told him, I'm like, you should probably just like wait or something. And he, and he never did it, but it's just like those little interactions and the, like, they add up over the course of a season. It, it see look at you you're preventing him from getting fined from the nba <laughs> yeah, that's you're right, the man. hero just, of the story that's, yeah, that's what right, you right. want the conclusion to come to i got well, you don't worry no, but the, the conclusion is i'm way too old to interact with these players uh at this point um <laughs> nah. that's why that's why like marcus soul is my favorite um because because another one of my favorite locker room things was like i remember this one time walking in the locker room after a regular season game and like mark was just on uber eats like mark was just like scrolling through like the mcdonald's menu yeah. Um, and he was like, guys, let's get these questions out of the way because my delivery is going to be there in like 20 minutes. And, <laughs> and I was like, wow, this is exactly the life that I'm leading as well. So um, yeah. again, it's just the, it's just what these little things. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I didn't go that what's, far. What's the diet um, of an NBA player? Yeah, there, was no, there was no investigative reporting uh, in ah, me that day. Um, didn't I, have I didn't have a Big Mac. I didn't have the dog in me that day, but like, <laughs> it, 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 honestly, it's like even doing a show like this, um, obviously there's a lot of privacy in there and, 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 yeah. you, and you trust and respect that, but being able to share these little tidbits too, I think is super cool. Cause like, it just adds more color and personality to the players that all these fans are following. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big time. I mean, you, I mean, I feel like the fans can kind of get a sense of the personalities. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously like Delano and Champagne, they always, they're always like my son, this is my son. And like right. that energy just doesn't change in the locker room. Like they're, they're always, they're buddies. Like they always like piggyback with each other and like, you know, like sitting next to each other or talking or whatever. But like, um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward personally to seeing more of that interaction with the Raptors. Um, even with like 905 was a lot restricted. Like it was very restricted because of COVID and, you know, so I could speak to maybe one or two players. And usually that was oftentimes Delano, Champagne, uh, Kevon Harris, and maybe like, you know, per- Reggie Perry. But like, other than that, it was, it kind of, I didn't get that as much, but uh, I'm looking forward to that this season for sure. Um, new role. It's going to yeah. be fun. So was, was uh, the weekend game against Chicago, that was your first time in the role? 
that was my first time in uh, oh, this role. I, yeah, I know it was preseason, and I know you've done this before, but, but like, how was that experience for you? Like, did it feel special to you that that was like your first time? Well, I took the box score of the game at the very oh, end. So this, oh, so this does this is a special occasion. Okay. <laughs> and I gave it to my dad, and I was like, oh, "Can you amazing. laminate this?" <laughs> okay, okay. So this was special for you. You're not waiting till your first regular season game. Yeah. No, nah, like I think you gotta that's celebrate sick. the like the little victories in life no, too, sick. right? And this is still not little. It's a huge thing. It yeah. was like sold out in there, and like I understand how much it costs to to get a Raptors ticket these days. So to yeah. be one of the voices and the insiders of that, like I'm like, whew, this it's a blessing, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, it was special. It was great. Um, it was a lot of information. I'll say that, and I think that's just sure. because like the newness in any role. It's like first day on the job, right? Like yeah. it doesn't matter if you're doing the exact same role. Say like you're an accountant. At one company you could be an accountant at another company but they use a different software system and now mm. you're learning all that stuff and so for me it was like okay like learning the different um like like i've been working for mlse for like eight years and yet i've discovered a new room that day you know like a new <laughs> a new back room and um was it and, the raptors and, locker room no i'm just kidding oh well no not that one surprisingly right but and then like even when to go to the locker room when i can expect a player to come right. out uh, this is that where to meet people um yeah. where are the washrooms you know like stuff like yeah. that like it all adds up in the in that first day experience um and so like, and I, and it's also just obviously doing my best to try to tell the stories that I've gathered. I was like, I, I don't want to say like nervous, but like for me, um, what makes me not nervous is when I do a lot of preparation and I know right. that I have a lot of prepped stories ready to go. So like yeah. the day before I was at OG Ananobi's and Nick Nurse's like Thanksgiving event. Now, and like and like people told me that I didn't even have to go to that, but I was like, you know what? I'll go to that because that means I can get a soundbite from Nurse like that day instead of having to chase him on game day when I'm thinking about a million other things that I'm trying to take in. And I was like, looking back, I'm like, that was the best decision of my life because there was so much to do and like information and like you know, sensory overload almost. And that, let alone like the actual experience of like sitting in the sideline reporter, like corner that they put you in um, and like seeing the fans screaming. I had like people already asking me, like, excuse me, miss, like, what's your name? And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm Savannah. <laughs> well, what's your name? She's like, oh, like I'm Kaylee. And I was like, oh, good to meet you, Kaylee. She's like, I want to do what you're doing someday. And I was wow. like, you're, you're already oh inspiring goodness. the youth. Not yeah, even, people... but I was like, yo, girl, this is my first game. Like, let's not jinx nothing, eh? Like, <laughs> but, and, people, or for like people me. that don't know, like, um, like Savannah, I guess you're in the same spot that Amy was in last year. Like, you're standing right by the tunnel, right? Yeah. Like, like there's yeah. like a table there for you at the tunnel. Watching, like, yeah. Damar walk, like, run past me and, yeah. like, yeah. all don't, these people. Don't... Don't trip anyone because I think Amy almost tripped someone last season and she freaked uh -oh. out about it, but it wasn't her. I think it was Scotty, actually. I think Scotty ran out, but he just like tripped over something. But for a second, Amy thought it was it was her. Oh my god, was that <laughs> yeah. the uh, was that the, the the epic fall that Scotty had last yes. season? Yes, that was the exact game. And I think Amy was really stressed out for like five seconds that like she injured their their rookie. Their of the star year, player. So. <laughs> <laughs> so like, so you know, just that that's that's my tip for you. But no, it's great. It's great. Um, Appreciate you know, it. I think try I think not to trip gonna, Scotty. Yeah, okay. yeah. That's that's my um that's my advice for you. But yeah, so thanks. Preseason, preseason is uh you know I think the Raptors have like what one more game. Uh, to be honest, mm -hmm. I'm like a I'm like a three out of ten in terms of level for interest during the preseason. I, yeah. I think especially like especially for this Raptors team, to me, you know I, I think you know 
sure like you know we can talk about you know which players are going to play how many minutes who might be in the starting lineup and we might get to those today but it, you know this roster is pretty locked in this roster is pretty locked in we've got yeah. the end of roster battles um which again you know d- d- depending on how much interest you have with those um i think that's how much you're paying attention to preseason like i'm just excited for the actual season to start um and we can actually start evaluating uh the guys especially at the top of the roster so you know i thought today um and you know since you've been big timing me i had to big time you back and basically basically (laughs) just ask you to uh you know run the show and 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 just prepare five storylines um five rapture storylines that you're most looking forward to and then we can look uh further out um to the rest of the nba as well so uh the five storylines that you have savannah what is the first rapture storyline that you're most looking forward to this season Oh, you want me to rank them too? Oh, oh my you don't goodness! Have to rank them. You don't have to. You don't have to rank them. I, I get it. I get it. You can ask your assistant for that if you want. Um, but oh, like... get out of here! <laughs> is, is that your job application coming through? What is this? <laughs> so, so okay. What is your first? What is your first Raptor storyline that you have? Okay, the first one that I have, I think, I think it's the safe bet, but it's also. And by the way, you're lucky that I was a producer that I could pull these storylines. No problem. <laughs> you're doing here by the way nice try you're big timing me for sure um first storyline that i have since i'm producing this show um is scotty barnes <laughs> yes who who by the way before i even let you uh kind of go on with that you uh-huh. did i believe you did predict that scotty was going to win rookie of the year when we did our one of our Thank season you. preview episodes last season Thank right? you. Yep, right, right? you yeah i'm pretty sure i was i did and i think okay. people thought i was crazy and yeah. i was like i'm sticking with it we're gonna stick no, with it no like guys guys when i make predictions it's it's honestly from like zero thought when people like savannah come in and like on our show and say these things they've actually watched basketball and thought about it <laughs> so you gotta you gotta take that stuff more seriously so number one storyline i mean i'm not surprised but i think it's a it's it's it's, it's the right place to start yeah. is scotty um is there something specific that you're most looking forward to about scotty in year two yeah, absolutely. There's a, a few questions actually I have when I when I you know, think about watching him is first and foremost, how does he follow up this rookie year season? He had such a great year. Um, he he was in his rookie year. He was looking like he was a, a second or even third year player in the league. He had some a little bit of rookie mistakes and we forgive him for that. But like he it's almost like, how do you how do you top that? So the other question is almost like, how high is his ceiling exactly? And can we see more consistent glimpses of it? So can he string together a series of, you know, 20 point games, uh, like maybe like four games straight? You know, it's kind of like get those averages up. Um, I don't think it's fair to uh, put the, the the world of expectations on a second year player yet, but it's very exciting. And if anybody can can have a huge year um, coming off of a rookie season, I think it would be Scotty. Um, after at the end of the day, I think about the fact that he was not traded for Kevin Durant. That was on the table in terms of like rumor mill, right? And I'm sure there's some truth maybe behind that or something. I'm sure his name probably can't, got brought up in some sort of trade fashion because you have such a exciting piece on that team. And um, his and, and so by him not getting moved for another piece like a KD, it just goes to show you how much value he brings to this team because they're essentially saying he is he's potentially going to be that player, but he's just younger right now. And so you have to keep an eye out on him and watch for him. Um, I think, do I think it's out of reach to say that he could potentially be an all-star? Ooh, that's that's a bit pushing it, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's a reserve, put it that way. 
Yeah, I think I think all the conversations about the All Star selections, um, you know, for Scotty, and I think people talk a lot about Pascal too because he's obviously been there before. Yeah, it really going to depend on the success of the team, right? Like, like I think, yeah. I think because there's so much talent in the league now, especially in the East, um, he would Scotty would have to have like a remarkable make like exactly. a remarkable leap and have stats just like jump off the page. And then on top of it, I think the Raptors would have to be like contending for one of the top seeds in the East, which I don't think is out of the realm of possibility. No, um, not at I've all. Been, I've, I've been talking that up a lot. Um, and I, I think what Scotty is interesting. So we're recording this. Uh, I've lost track of days. Yeah, we're recording this on Tuesday right now. And then the Raptors just had practice. And Nick Nurse actually said that Scotty's been dealing with like a, a minor ankle injury that shut him down for three weeks ahead of training camp. And, you know, Nick talked a little bit about how he's been off to a slow start in preseason and still getting his conditioning and, and rhythm back. Um, so it'll be interesting, you know, hope, you know, I, I don't think there should be any kind of long-term concern about this, but maybe Scotty's just playing a little catch up right now, but, but, but I'm with you. I almost think too, on the flip side, I guess, I'll, okay, I'll ask you this first. It's like, I think Scotty has such a wide array of skills on the court that sometimes mm-hmm. I think we just talk about just like overall improvement, right? Like just getting mm-hmm. better with the reps and experience and everything. But if you were to kind of drill down, like is there specific a specific thing, whether it's on the offense or defensive end, that you're like, okay, I want to see this from him this year? You know, what's funny is that <laughs> it's almost like I wrote that down. Um, <laughs> I I actually wrote down defense in my okay. in, uh, as yeah. a note. You know, I think we are pretty aware of what he could bring offensively. I think we all know that it's a just he's in a refining stage at this point, right? Let's yeah. just refine that like that elbow jumper. Let's refine. Hey, maybe if you start getting a bit more of a consistent three point shot, we could you know consider that as an option to go to in a in a set play. Um, but as it is right now, like. I think the thing that he could control directly is defense. And he has obviously the body type that could pretty much defend anybody uh, in the league. And so if he shows just like defense tenacity, like getting on the floor, going for loose balls. And I understand that it's, it's definitely winding to do that when you try to go from that type of player to then an offensive player. However, at the same time, like if he starts getting a lot more aggressive on the defensive end and making a, a reputation out of that, maybe in deflections or in just even getting in passing lanes, bumping people when they're going down the lane. I'm not saying that he doesn't already do that, but like just seeing a lot more of that. Um, then I think we can see that start to, to really like, you know, broaden his game and maybe be a respectable, like defensive player of the year someday um, or in the conversation at least. So I think, I, I think I would love to see his defensive game like grow. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, I, I think of uh, there was un- one instance last season. I think they were playing against Boston when when he was just like uh, very lack lackadaisical with like an inbounds pass and like the Celtics got a turnover and a basket um, and just like little attention to detail uh, on things. And I think that translates way more on on the defensive end. You know, I think there was mm-hmm. a Dallas game where I think he just like didn't guard Luca in one of the final possessions, um, and it's just like. I, I think for me too, like I keep thinking about like what you want from Scotty for the Raptors to be the best version of themselves this year. And I think the Raptors are going to win a lot of games um, if they are a really good defensive team. And uh-huh. I think, I think Scotty, you know, obviously slotted into it, the starting lineup and playing all those minutes. Like you just can't have, you just can't have like one player stand out in, in terms of like being, um, you know, like not a standout player on the defensive end. 
Like, 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 I think we saw a little bit of that maybe in the Sixers series at times, you know, when, when the Sixers were picking on Gary uh, a little bit with James Harden. And it's like, you know, we've, we've learned from like the best versions of these Raptors teams, like the 2019, 20 team, um, that when you have five guys out there that are connected on a string on the defensive end, how scary that can be. And and I think, and I think Scotty, and I think Scotty's going to be very important to the Raptors hoping um, to get back to that level. So, um, all right. So, um, you know, we're going to continue on with the show produced by Savannah Hamilton. Thank you. Um, um, you know, co-hosted by Savannah Hamilton, directed by Savannah <laughs> Hamilton. Um, so what is, uh, what is your second storyline? Roll credits. Why don't you? Um, okay. Uh, the second storyline is not like the, I don't know if I can say the sexiest on this podcast. Cut that off. I can't say that word, but like, it's not. Sure, you can say sexiest. Why can't you say that word? What is happening with society now? Listen, Um, listen. I don't know. (laughs) We're going down that road. A whole different conversation. But sure, this is not the sexiest topic, but it's a legit topic. The health of this team. Okay. And it it's the can they stay healthy? Because yeah. last year, Pascal was coming back from a shoulder surgery, which is obviously not his fault. He's coming back from a shoulder. Like, he's taking care of an injury. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless, that caused him to miss some games and then a bit of a slower start. And then finally, he got his rhythm, and he was up for that all-star conversation, and he j- pretty much just missed it. Um, but that was because of the, sh- the shoulder surgery. And then there's OG with the hip pointer injury that took him out for, like, almost a month in December. Um, and you could definitely feel that missing presence of OG on the court when he was out. Um, and then and then there was Fred and Malachi that pretty much had a double a double header injury for both of them in, a, in and around the month of February, which then you had to go to like Scotty Barnes to pick up the weight on the point guard end of things. And actually to Scotty's credit, he did. And I think that was the the catalyst that threw him over the top over Evan Mobley for that rookie of the year award. But that being said, like we can't have both of our point guards missing because of injuries. Um, and obviously Fred was playing heavy minutes and Nick Nurse addressed it already this season, being like, we're not going to play Fred as much. <laughs> which, by the way, which, by the way as, as I've kept saying on this show, it's going to go from 37 to 35 minutes per game. Exactly. This, this is what's going to happen. Sweet. We've dropped him by a minute and 15 seconds. Like, <laughs> so, but yeah, so that's, that's the health of the team is definitely like, my concern going into this i think it was even a concern the like the season before then um as well it's kind of like what are like like, well i think that was a tampa season actually um and yeah so tampa was just a hot mess in so many different ways so i can't just blame injuries but um but yeah that was that that was the number one or number two storyline in my head was like yo get healthy guys stay healthy and do what you need to do to prevent that yeah, so. and, and I'm even thinking about the playoffs too. And I know sometimes injuries are really yeah. hard to control. And, and like, you know, I, I look at OG's career, like like you look at him having to miss the 2019 championship run, um, you know, because he had the apectectomy like right before the, the start of the playoffs. And Yo. then some of these other, other injuries that he's picked up, like yeah. some of these are very out of their control. But then I look at someone like you mentioned, like Fred, right? Like, like he, yeah. he clearly wore down in the second half of the season. And that was like self-inflicted because the team, you know, relied on him so much. Yeah. Um. And and like I'm I'm glad I'm glad they pointed it out. And like I think it was obvious to everybody in the organization too that like you just can't move forward by driving when you know one of your key players into the ground like that. Um. But I'm with you. I'm with you. You know. I think about 
just like like you mentioned, like how little this team, especially maybe like their best five man units, were able to just like build that chemistry and go on like long stretches during mm-hmm. the regular season of playing together. Um, and, and I think that's really one of the reasons why people are so high on the Raptors, right? Like, yeah. like they won 48 games despite everything that you said. And despite a lot of these players still figuring themselves out, like a precious, um, who yep. I'm sure is going to, who I'm sure is going to come up. And like, um, you know, even Scotty figuring himself out in his rookie season. Um, so like, there's a lot of certainty on this Raptors team coming into this year uh, com- compared to the last couple of years, but, but I'm with you. I think, I think health is really going to dictate where, where this team's going to end up, um, in the standing. So what's your, um, what's your next one? All right. Well, first, first note off of what you said that caught my attention. Don't be blaming OG for his. I was an appendectomy. <laughs> I can't. I can't even say it properly. Yeah, I don't even know. Yeah, I don't even know if I said that right. Um, again, another recurring theme <laughs> on this show is like I just can't pronounce people's names or speak English. Um, but I'm trying. No, no, it's <laughs> it's trying, not even though. that. It's the appendicitis yeah. thing. Because I'm like, yeah. you know, the same year that he had appendicitis, I had one as well. Like two oh, months no. later. Oh yeah. yeah. So I'm like, yo, that's just that stuff comes out of the blue. There's no. There's no prevent. That. <laughs> no, that was just that was just like that was just like ridiculous timing. It too, was. Right? It was so crazy, yeah. and I can understand why he was out the entire like championship run, which must have sucked for him. But yeah. um, third uh third subject would have to be uh the bench depth. Um, okay. last year it was a seven man rotation, and there wasn't a whole lot of trust in that bench. I would say, like, I'm not necessarily saying that there wasn't a whole lot of talent. It's just I don't think there was a whole lot of trust, and it could be a two-way street for sure. I don't know what happens in practice, um, but can that be turned around this season? And is it a, mat- a matter of uh, coaching style going deeper, or is it is is it the player personnel of getting a better better options for Nick Nurse to use? You know, um, so addressing that, regardless, that's a conversation. I feel like that Bobby Webster and Masai will, will be you know looking at more in depth. I think they already have with the options that we've seen in preseason, um, and and kind of owning that and be like, okay, how how do we want to play this team this year? Because you mentioned Precious, and that's one of the guys that you know could. I could see him some games potentially starting and then other games sitting. Um, he has such a high ceiling himself, as we've seen glimpses of it last season, especially post-All-Star. Um, and yeah, and then there's like guys like Delano, and I, I want to get to him separately a little bit later. But um, And just like there's so much depth. And now we're even seeing like the bench um, – competing for that last and final spot. And I'm looking at like, you know, like Gabe Brown is playing some great basketball. DJ Wilson maybe hasn't stood out too much in the preseason, but having seen him play so much in summer league, he is a great player. He is like 6'10", but he he plays like a guard because he was a guard in high school. He had a late growth spurt like Anthony Davis did. Um, and like other guys like, you know, Champagne, we barely seen him play. He only played like the first time against Chicago. Um and, and, you know, he's been like injured in summer league, injured in preseason. But then last year during the 905, here he is dropping like 40 points in the second half of the season, like consistently too. So it's such a, a tight race back there. But the good news is that all those options give you options kind of. So it's like if you whoever you take in that mix, you could probably trust them to fill up a solid five, 10 minutes in a game like I think all those guys can hang on their own in a regular season game as well so just how reliable is the bench and if you're willing to go that deep as well those injury prevention yeah yeah and I think I think it's uh, I think Justin Champagny is someone who you know as Raptors fans are watching 
these preseason games, especially during the first week, and seeing some of these other players have standout performances like a Gabe Brown or a Josh Jackson, you know, my thing is like, you know, Justin Champagny, you know, has had the best audition out of any of these guys, like you mentioned, based mm-hmm. on his performance last year. Um, not just with the 905, but even when he had the brief stints, um, you know, with the Raptors, like like I think the coaching staff really trusts him. And I think yeah. the coaching staff sees a, a, a really good, at least a good rotation player in yeah. there. And you and you talk about the depth and it's like, it's not like you're going to be depending on Champagne to be a contributor every night on this team. Exactly. Um, but you know injuries are going to come up during the season. I know players are going to get rest. You know, the big question is like, we know the Raptors have a very solid starting five. And, and you know, you could argue about, you know, whether Precious, you know, belongs in there. So maybe you can say they have like six starters on their team. But it's like during the season when they need to plug in those different gaps um, on those games when there's injuries and rest like how will they perform and that's just like the mark of a good regular season team right like if you yeah. have that depth and that's why i'm excited about guys like auto porter i know who's been injured yeah. um like you know auto porter is a guy that i'm like okay he can just be thrown into the starting lineup uh no problem like like during the regular season and even yeah. thad young to me is another yeah. guy you know i think he came here late last season and even like if you want to just go down the list like even chris boucher like even yeah. Cam Birch, like if you're thinking about guys like these are not guys that I would say should be starting for this team based on the the way the roster is built. But in a pinch, if you need them in a two, three game stretch, I think they have a lot of options. Um, and I'm just purposely excluding Delano right now because I know there's a lot of excitement about him and I'm sure you're going to bring him up as well. Yeah, well, maybe, you know what? I'm going to flip my four and five story just so we could talk okay, about Delano. This is, this is real-time producing. This is <laughs> this is elite producing. This is this is why Savannah's been in the game, and this is why she's where she is. Ah, stop this. You're hyping me up too much. This is why you've been in the game for this long. You know how to hype up a guest. No, um, I, I know how to make the guest do work. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's the secret. That's the secret sauce right there. Anyway, listen. Um, all right, so I'm flipping it. We'll do, because uh, we're both itching to talk about Delano, I, I, I take it. But yeah, so Delano, sure. Banton, and I'm going to loop in on this conversation. He gets the CC on this email, Malachi Flynn, who is <laughs> the better fit for this team at that backup point guard spot. Yeah, and it's yeah. a tight race. Like I know that Delano has been kind of playing behind Malachi in the preseason a little bit, sure. but if like Malachi has been putting in the crazy work in the pro-am series and I get it, it's you know, people argue it's not the same. Yeah, 70 points or 60 points that he's whatever he was dropping in, in the summer is like it's nothing to, to, to bat an eye about because that means you're still shooting the ball, you're still hitting it and like in a semi pressured situation. And also in the preseason, like he was in, he's he has that cheekbone injury right now, so we're not really like seeing too much of him, but like you know, like it, he has some exciting potential there. But then at the same time, like Delano is on fire right now, and like we've seen what Delano can do in the on Team Canada in summer league in the 905 last season when he did get the chances to see some time with the floor um as well like so i think personally like you know both guys are ready for a backup point guard spot and delano really expedited his own growth in that um by just putting so much work into his game he's refined it he's a lot more confident and that's kind of been like the story that i've heard both from nick nurse talking to him as well as delano himself like they've both said that like the biggest area of growth for delano was confidence and i think that's what we're seeing like there was one move i believe it was against a chicago game if i'm not mistaken where he looked so like 
like relaxed going down the lane and then next you know he just gets up and dunks it hard one hand um against the bulls and it's like where did that come from like it looks so calm and then aggressive which you want to see that like start that stop start um motion when you're like a point guard right it's like lulling the defense to sleep and then immediately kicking it into another gear um, so that's like making plays right there. And that's what you want to see from your point guard because the Raptors don't have, you know, a, a, a Steph Curry type point guard. We don't have the three point shooting specialist, which is actually, I'll give it away. The, the last topic I want to get to, but um, we need, we need a point guard that can facilitate and that can score in other ways. So, you know, it could be a Malachi cause he's great off of a pick and roll situation, or it could be a Delano who's great at getting to the rim himself because he's so lanky. Yeah, no, I think I can't stress enough like how important it is, um, at least in my opinion, for one of these players to to really grab a rotation spot um, because there's so much talk. Like we talked about, you know, bringing Fred's minutes down and, and, you know, I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, maybe he can play more off ball and like, you know, Pascal and Scotty can can take on some of the ball handling duties. But, you know, this is the one glaring hole with this roster right now is is the backup point guard position. And I feel like we've talked about this for, um, well, ever since Kyle left, basically. Because, um, you know, Kyle and Fred was such a good combination. And obviously the two of them ended up starting next to each other towards the end of Kyle's run here. But it's just like, you know, for me, like, I think Delano just looks like he's got the more like raw talent and like athleticism. Whereas like Malachi, I think he's a more polished player um, you know, uh, at least from an offensive standpoint with Malachi, it's just one of those things where like, we just got to see it at, mm-hmm. at the NBA level. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like you talk about the proams and all that stuff. And like, I'm the first person to always like brush that stuff away and be like, Oh, like, I don't really care what these guys do at like a Rico Hines run. Like I need to see it <laughs> like an NBA game. But like, you know, there is some merit to when a guy is putting up that level of scoring. And like, we've seen Malachi have like, you know, I can't list more than five of these games, but like, we've seen the glimpses, right? Like, like yeah. we can tell just by like watching him that like, there's a really good basketball player in there. So we'll see if it translates, but like, yeah, Delano's really interesting to me. And I know you watched him very closely last year too, especially at the nine Oh five. Like, like, where do you see like his ceiling? Because he's such an interesting like development project for me, you know, not just like the hometown, you know, narrative and all that angle, but like being another potential like second round pick that, that the Raptors can develop into a really useful player honestly like and this might be my hot take of the year are you ready for this oh here we go he could be get ready, get ready strap it he could be one of the best point guards in the league if he oh, if man. he develops the okay. way he's going and i'm not saying it's going to happen this year i'm yeah. saying it could happen next year or the year you after. Can see, he's... you can see that potential in him absolutely he's yeah. just so um like he's so tall and strong he got a lot stronger in this offseason um, and so just like he could read the floor so well. He's, he's a very high basketball IQ. He finds his teammates really easily. And it's really hard to guard a point guard like that. And I, he's coming in with almost like, like the way that people were surprised at Giannis, right? When he first entered the league is like, this guy's so tall and like he runs and he's like a forward, but he's also like kind of like a three, two, a two at the same time. He's kind of like that, a bit of like, I don't want to say Greek freak, but he's kind of like that freakish build for the position. And he's so purely a point guard too, right? Like you don't really see him that much in a shooting guard role. I'm sure he could put it, but like, he's not a shooter. Like we all, I think we've all come to that realization. He's not a three point shooter. If he adds that to his game, will it throw it over the top? Oh my God. Yeah. Now you're going to have a different conversation of like, is he one of the best players in the league? But 
being as it is right now, he doesn't have that. Um, and so he might be one of the best point guards in the league within the next like coming one to two years. I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing that like those those really amazing glimpses happen towards the second half of the season with him when he gets going with the Raptors. Um, and so I, I'm looking forward to seeing his development development and his growth. Yeah, and, and I think I think this is an interesting thing too when you think about the team long term is, you know, I think about the whole era when, when Kyle and DeMar were here, they were able to extend that run and become one of the best teams in the East because of the bench players that they were able to develop, right? And, and yeah. I, think, I, think the, I think the bench mob is the one that gets the most recognition. But, you know, Fred, Pascal, and even OG to an extent, like all these players used to be in the same spot that I think like Precious is in now. And, you know, Delano is potentially in and like maybe Christian Coloco could could like work himself into that group in like a year or two years time. And like that's how you kind of build internally um, to be able to like have a player like Aka Pirtle, um yeah. that, that you can like include in a trade, you know, when a Kawhi Leonard is, is available or you just keep this team internally and like see how they grow. Um, and I think that's the most exciting thing. I think so much attention is on Scotty and yeah. like deservedly so. Uh, because Scotty is, um, and I've said this many times, like here's he's their path back to like contending for for a championship. Um, yeah. But like, you know, like these these other pieces, like Precious, like Delano, like Malachi, like Christian Coloco, like they're just as important. Like they're really yeah. just as important. So like, I'm excited that you're 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 that high on Delano, and you know, but before people kind of raise their eyebrows at that, you know, just just know that this is the same person who who delivered the rookie of the year prediction last year. So <laughs> I'm not I'm not here to doubt uh, any of this right now. I appreciate your support. Yeah, I know people probably think I'm crazy. Like, oh, that's a hot take. I'm like, no, you you just no. wait, you just see. It's no. so hard to guard that. What's the name? That point guard. What's his name? He's from like his, his name's escaping me. He's from like the 70s or 80s. Um, like who was Pete like Maravich, a? Who are you thinking? No, maybe <laughs> even, maybe even, maybe no, 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 no. Maybe it's even like a Magic Johnson. Um, okay, okay. That has like that same level of like length and athleticism. Yeah. Um, but okay. it's all it's all in. Can Delano remain confident and can he continue sure. to grow his game? And if he adds that three point shot, he's he's done. Like it's done. It's a game over. Like that's one of your best point guards for sure. Yeah, and we'll see. I think this is the next big like stress test for like the whole like Raptors development system narrative. You know, yeah. I think I think if they're able to to turn him into like you mentioned, like even just even just like a backup point guard or maybe yeah. someone that's fighting for a starting, you know, starting spot, you know, I think that'd be amazing. And I just can't emphasize like just the trickle down effect cuz yeah. like I I need Fred eventually to be playing like 32 minutes a game. Yeah. And 32 in a situation where Nick is not stressed out about the other 16 minutes at point. Exactly, exactly. You know what I mean? Because, like, oh. Nick is not, you know, like, Nick Nick might be, like, I don't know, I'm not going to call Nick crazy, but, like, you know, Nick, like, Nick is very reasonable about these decisions, yeah. right? Like, there's yeah. a reason why Fred is playing 37 minutes. It's yeah. because there's no other available option. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, the way that yeah. it's at least, and, like, that's why I say the trust goes two ways. Um, yes. And, like, but, yeah, uh, you know, it, it's it's going to be very interesting to see to see where how it gets used. And also, one more one more other point on Fred is when Fred was in his was it like his first second year of playing on the Raptors. Like, did anybody call him being an All Star? Probably not. Yeah. Like, I I called bull on that if someone no, said that. You. Oh, Fred is definitely an All Star player. Like, yeah, no, you're lying. But yeah, no, you know, you. you see I'm talent and 
you could see this just like the projection of it if if they fulfill it themselves that's 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 also the key right if they put the work in if they are like you know hungry enough they'll they'll fulfill it themselves yeah no i love that um what's your what's your last storyline for the raptors so i I alluded to it it's a it's a three-point shooting one raptors are not three-point shooters and at this point honestly i'm like you know what maybe we just own that identity we're just not the three-point shooting team you know yeah Um, it's it's hard it's like I, i think i think that's a really valid point especially because i i think in general the fan base is really excited about the team um and, and you know during the preseason and like during this period like this is when you're like mo- most optimistic right it's like best case scenario for your team best case scenario for your players but like as you're watching the team as you're thinking about the roster construction and you're thinking about like what were the weaknesses of this team last year like clearly like they just still lack the shooting right like that yeah. there's a lot of good individual shooters on this team, but the way that the rosters is constructed, it's just not going to be like a top end three point shooting team. I think, and I, I don't mean to sound harsh, but like at the end of the day, like a lot of the percentages on the team are under 40%. And yeah. if you're a three point shooter, like for context, Danny Green, when he was on the team, uh, in the regular season, he was shooting 45%. And then obviously that dropped in the playoffs. He was shooting 32%. But to know at least in the regular season, we like the Raptors had that shooter was very important to, to kind of note. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I was looking up the percentages going into this because like, you know, I don't want to be a hater for no reason or nothing. So I was looking at something, you know, hey, Gary Trent Jr. Is shooting 38%, OG 36, Fred 37, Pascal 34, Precious 35. And, you know, obviously with Precious, like he just developed shooting like a three-point shot this year from uh, not shooting at all with Miami. So give him some grace there. But, you know, that's that's not the sign of, hey, we got to really defend this team on the on the line. Um and, and it's okay though. Like, here's the thing. Like we don't have, like the Raptors don't have to be a three point shooting team. They don't have to be the warriors. And I think when one team, you know, finds success in one way, the rest of the league feels the, the need to copy that. And I think at times they've said that like, you know, the NBA is a copycat league, but that doesn't mean that there's not other ways to success. Like clearly Bobby Webster and Masai Ujiri are putting together a team of like six, eight, six, nine, six, ten, like like versatile people that can just play any position, positionless basketball, which is deadly in its own sense. Um, and it's not to say that they can't shoot a three and hit it once in a while. I'm sure like, you know, everybody gets a hot hand here and there, but would it be nice to have somebody who's like, yo, that guy don't leave him open on the three point line because Ultimately, that draws the defenses out to that to that person, leaving open gaps in the court for to take advantage of that positionless basketball to get to the rim or to get an open elbow jumper. Because um, like you know, you don't want to have to th- worry too much about the shooter, right? So that's why that's like a concern, as well as like, is this even a concern? Like, really? Because or are we just playing to an, a new identity? That's all. Yeah, you know, I think the new identity is fine, but I think just the reality of the NBA, like you're going to need more shooting. Like you're just going to need more shooting, um, especially when it gets to, you know, playoffs and playing against the top teams. And, you know, I think this has been a big problem, like in the Nick Nurse era. And I don't blame him because like they've tried bringing in shooters. Like I'm thinking about Matt Thomas and even Svi last year, like, like people with the reputation of, you know, being able to, you know, you know, be an elite three-point shooter. But the problem is if you're going to play for a Nick Nurse team, you have to be able to play both ends of the floor. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah. And, and, you know, that's why I was thinking too, like when all the talk was going on with Kevin Durant, I was like, man, we should just low key try to start a conversation to get Seth Curry. Um, yeah. Like, like, honestly, like, you know, like it's one of those, like, it's going to be, it's really hard to find like a two way player who, who can be an elite three point shooter and, and be like at least competent on the defensive end. But I do think ultimately wherever this roster ends up, I would like them to add like whatever you want to call it, like a Seth Curry type or whoever it is, like someone who you're not just like squinting at the numbers and being like, oh, you know, he shot 42% last season from three. Like he might be okay. Like I Mm -hmm. want like a top level guy, like you mentioned, right? It's, it's, yeah, I agree. It has to be like a proven tested top level guy or, Mm -hmm. you know, Maybe a shooter that is on the new side, but we like like you mentioned, we also we also saw that with Matt Thomas and Svima Hailuk that like it just didn't work out. They're on the newer side when they came to the Raptors, and like I don't think the leash was too long for them. Um, and that's okay. Like Nick Nurse has his reasons. I'm sure it stemmed primarily from what we observed as the defensive end. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when you think of like yeah, you either got to get like the guy that has the reputation in the league that like that's your shooter, almost like a JJ Redick when he was in the yeah. league, or or, but the, here's the other thing is that there's just not many of them as well, right? There, there's not many pure shooters. Like, no, that's all you do. we have a shortage. We we, we have do. a huge shortage issue with yeah. um just like, not not even just like pure shooters, but like, uh, you know, remember back in the day, it's just like every team had like an elite remember, white, white three-point shooter. <laughs> no, I'm talking Jimmer. like, Kyle, you know, Kyle Korver days. Of course. Um, yeah, like oh, everybody. Kyle is my favorite NBA 2K. And, yeah, and now we've got Duncan Robinson, who's like you know, you know, okay. underperformed. We've got, yeah. you know, we've got Joe Harris, who I've still yet to see like uh, play a great playoff game for the Nets. I know he was injured last year, and it's like it's just hard to find that player, right? And, and I is. think so. But but I, I I am completely with you. Like this is something that's like bothered me about the roster for the past couple of years. And as much as we try to like, you know, really drill down on the numbers and be like, oh, you know, Gary's good from this spot on the floor. You know, Fred's really good on the catch and shoot. I agree with all that. But until you have that player out there, like you mentioned, to to really have forced defenses to kind of pay attention to that shooter, like, you know, your your offense, your half court offense is just going to be difficult. Yeah. And, and I still think they're still going to run into those challenges. And, and mm-hmm. maybe that is the next step for this roster. Um, is to add that player because because I really do believe they they need that player. I know I, was, I don't know if it's a matter of like hey adding that player or developing that player. Yeah, like maybe... I'm very anti. I'm not anti like developing that player. I just think it's like if you're asking for like say like Precious or whoever it might be a Malachi in a bigger Gary. role to suddenly yeah or like Gary and that I'm I'm like I feel like at this point sure they can make a jump in their skills but like it's a different realm when you're like an elite yeah. three-point shooter. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it is. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if Gary was like, oh, one of these years, maybe this year shoots like 43, 44% from three. Sure. But it's like, I need that guy that I can trust in the fourth quarter yeah. of like a playoff game where like the ball's going to go out to this guy. And I'm like, okay, like I want him taking the shot. You need to do some NCAA or uh, maybe some uh, overseas <laughs> recruiting, Alex. Oh, go find is, him. This requires me to watch more basketball, like so I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna pass on that. I'm gonna pass it's on like, that offer. Like, yeah. You're like, uh, you're like Adam Sandler and Hustle, no, no, <laughs> but, gonna, but like shooting edition. No, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna need you to take that on and maybe bring five shooting prospects back on the show. Um, next oh, time. okay. Yeah. Get, yeah, get me to produce again. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, no, <laughs> nice I try. think. 
I think those are great storylines, and who knows? I might just take them and repeat them when we're on air next week. So this has been nice. this has been a very very valuable uh, you know exercise for me. But um, now before I, before I let you go, actually before we move on to the five storylines that you, I also wanted to ask, <laughs> had you produce yes. <laughs> NBA, which I just added to your plate Listen, earlier. I got today. time. Yeah, I got time. Um, what's your prediction for the Raptors in terms of win total and uh, what 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 seed they're going to finish with uh, in the East? Ooh, that's a good question. Ooh. Hmm. Um, okay. Well, what seed they're going to finish in the East? I'll start with that one. Um, I think my 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 prediction and my instant like prediction is probably top three. I think they're going to yeah, be a no, top three team. Take- my hot take, like I've officially predicted them to finish second in the East. Yeah, in the regular yeah. So I, I don't know if that's a hot take. Like that's like a lukewarm take, right? Like it's uh, yeah, at this point, the expectations are so high on this team. The, the expectations are really high, and they're keeping the same core together. So at least like, like you know us as Raptors media, like we know what we're getting and we know what to predict. And when you keep the same core together, they're not spending half the season learning each other. They already know each other. They're in the summertime working together. So like that all does like translate into how they come out strong in like the beginning of the season when they're all healthy, knock on wood. Um, but like, yeah, so I, I don't think that's, I think for me, it might be a third position because there are some other teams. Like you got to still respect um, Boston because they, they did get to the finals, but um, there's other teams in the league that, you know, are looking really strong as well. I wouldn't doubt if we see Brooklyn up there, if they get their crap together. Um, and maybe even like, you know, hey, 76ers was the team that took out the Raptors in the playoffs. So there's some other contenders that are kind of top the list for me um, in terms of like the top one, two spots. But for me, I think number three is pretty strong, but I wouldn't be surprised if they finished number two. Okay. And what about the win total? I think it's 50 plus. Uh-huh. Yeah. You want yeah. to put a number on it? I think I, I think I did this exercise of going through their entire schedule during the off season, all eighty two, and like listing off wins and losses, and I ended up at fifty four wins. Oh, see, yeah. okay. I mean, that's a safe. I think that's a pretty safe bet. Honestly, so. if if you were to tell me, and then this is one of the storylines that you mentioned, like if you were to tell me that the Raptors are going to be just basically relatively full health for all their star players and and their starters this season, like I'm very comfortable expecting them to win fifty plus. Oh, absolutely. That's that's exactly it. Yeah. It's like if they're if this is a healthy team and like already it's already healthier than it was this time last year with the fact that Pascal is not coming yeah. back from surgery. Um, then I think we're looking at like, yeah, like I wouldn't be surprised to get 52, 53, 54 like in that realm. Like I'd say in between 50 and 55. That's a okay. safe bet. OK, OK, yeah. OK um you know too big time to to give an actual total i get it um just <sighs> fine i'll go 54 um, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna back you up 54 you that's got my right. retweet <laughs> that's right that's right got got the got the savannah support um, there you go that's, Stop that's this. always that's always important all right let's hear let's hear these five uh let's hear these five nba storylines that, that you want me to rip them off for like one after the other yeah yeah just give me the first one we can talk about them real quick okay okay cool so first one has to be uh the champions, of course, uh, Golden State Warriors. Nice. Should, are they the Warriors or should we be worried? Um, oh, is the, oh, oh okay. Headline. Uh, I see. Hey, there's, a, hey. there's a headline right there. Here's, Save okay, that here's, just for you. Here's my thing. Like, I just recorded a pod and I talked about this very briefly. My thing about the whole Draymond Jordan pool thing is, is that, you know, I guess by all accounts, like people have been expecting something to boil over at some point. It seems like that's what everybody was saying internally, that they could see something like this coming. And my thing is, like, they should be relieved. The Warriors should be relieved because they don't have to worry about just something bubbling over throughout the entire season because Draymond's already gotten it over with. 
Yeah, that's <laughs> like, true, Dray- like Draymond's already done the one thing and he's come out being so apologetic. And you can tell by the quotes from even guys like Kavon Looney and even Steve Kerr was talking about it after. Like they're all very disappointed in him, right? Like yeah. they haven't been afraid to say those things publicly. You know, Kavon Looney's like, yeah, he's gonna Draymond's gonna have to earn back the trust in this locker room. I, I think I think their infrastructure, especially with Steph Curry at the very top and with vets like Andre Iguodala, I actually don't think this is gonna impact them as much. If anything, it's just a decision for them on whether they want Draymond on the team like long term. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a good, uh, that's a good takeaway. Um, and I mean, I'm glad that Draymond, like he's stepped away for a few days himself. I'm sure that was probably encouraged. Um, but, and, and I think there is some work to be set, uh, to be done with pool. I don't know what is happening exactly. I've been seeing so much like false stories on, on Twitter. It's actually kind of gets me laughing, but, um, it's a problem now too. I don't, it's It's impossible to know. It's a, it's impossible to know what's real anymore. It it really is like I'm like seeing like put like reports that are made to seem like they're true but they're so not true <laughs> um, about what what was said and stuff like that I, I get a real right. good kick out of it but um I've read yeah. all this stuff about how like I think uh, there was a fake one about how pool is like oh you go you can go ahead and average your triple single or something the like triple that. single or have you seen the fake one that was like you're not invited to my big pool like <laughs> oh my god no <laughs> see this. Party? Yeah, no, but 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 you know, just from watching like preseason clips and like everything that's happened since, like it seems like Jordan Poole's in like a pretty good state of mind. Um, and if anything, I don't know, like this might motivate him even more. And like and once I- again, all I'm saying is like he doesn't have to look over his shoulder now because there's he no doesn't. way Draymond's ever gonna come at him again after this. Again, at least maybe not right. caught on camera, but um. No. It's but you know I I would say like people don't do things for no reason you know like that's that's what that's what the point I'm trying to make like I'm not defending Draymond whatsoever he deserves the consequences he's getting and it's only a back and forth beyond like the TMZ video that we saw totally did not say tell the whole story we don't know if there's previous altercations sure Um, but yeah all I know is that people don't you know take a good swing at somebody without being provoked to some extent once again Mm -hmm. not defending just observing and yeah so pool if i was you know if i was the organization with pool i'd be like yo you got to watch yourself too like watch what you're saying this is a team environment make sure like you're you're following suit with that as well yeah i think just from like reading between the lines of of, you know what everyone has said since the incident happened you know it does seem like overall the organization is very much on like his side and i I don't think they're putting a lot of blame on him which i which i think maybe says a lot about like just the lead up to, to everything that happened before, you know, Draymond launched himself, you know, right into pool with that, with that punch. But now that I've had a few days to think about it, I'm kind of like, you know, I think they'll be fine. Like, I actually think they'll be fine. Like I think, yeah. And that's credit to Steph too. Cause I think as long as Steph says it's okay, it's okay. And I think the rest of the team follows his lead. And, Steph. And, no, but like I think Steph doesn't get a it's lot of credit. Okay. No, but yeah. I think Steph doesn't get a lot of credit sometimes in the same way that like maybe like a LeBron gets credit for like being a, you know leaders on teams because yeah, like Steph's, Steph's had to navigate a lot of stuff, right? Like oh. you know the, the 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 last time they won a championship before last year, like it was the whole Draymond Kevin Durant thing. Exactly. Uh, uh, like, exactly. You know, yeah. Right. Which uh. took place and like loomed over. So like. I think the whole team and even Kerr's is just like tired of Draymond at this point. But then when you think about it, you're like, man, I think about the way Draymond like defended Nikola Jokic last year in like the first round of the playoffs. And I'm like, like you still need that player, right? 
Like you yeah. need that player. Maybe you don't need him as much once the young guys develop. But I guess overall, what I'm trying to say is like I feel like they're gonna come out of this okay, and and I think they should still be one of the championship favorites. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Well, I think they're definitely still gonna be a favorite. It's just can they can they get the chemistry right before season gets underway? Yeah, yeah. I think that's my main concern with them. But um, the next storyline I, I would say is uh, Boston Celtics. I think you have to follow that up with who else was in the finals that's going through some stuff right now. Was yeah, who, the Celtics which team isn't going through some stuff, man? The last two months uh, have just been teams going through stuff. It's well, these are my this uh, this is the this is the NBA storylines you asked for. You asked me for, to be to producer of the show. I'm going to give you the hot takes and the hot storylines. <laughs> the teams going through stuff storylines. So yeah, so my biggest question with Boston, and I think you know I would put them here too. And and my thing is like. I guess this is about how much does coaching matter? Like how much does, you know, replacing Ime Udoka matter for the on-court, you know, result um, of this team? I, I think coach, that's fundament- fundamentally, that's the question, right? That is a question. I mean, here's, okay, let's, let's, let's change the team without the drama. Let's take away Popovich from the Spurs. How sure. much does coaching matter to the, to the Spurs? I think that's, that's everything yeah. to them. <laughs> yeah. I think coaching matters. Team. It's weird to me. It's like coaching matters at like the highest of levels. Yeah. Like I'm thinking about a contender like the Clippers and I'm like, I feel really good about them because they have Ty Lue. And I think Ty Lue is one of the best like in-game tacticians. Mm. Whereas like we talked so much about Doc Rivers last year. And that's mm-hmm. still one of the reasons why I still have questions about people hyping up the Sixers. Cause I'm mm-hmm. like, we've seen Doc Rivers coach really talented teams. Like what, what has actually changed? Like you can mm. give them better players. So I think it, yeah, you're right though. When you think about like a Popovich level and stuff, I, I feel like it matters at the highest level. And that's why I'm asking. It's like, I think Boston's an interesting case because they have such a talented team on paper, right? Yeah. But we read all the stories about how Ime was able to change the culture last year and all of that stuff. So like, yeah, how yeah, that, all that stuff matters. That? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying that like, hey, Joe Mazzula, he he has a he has a task in front of him. That's for sure, for sure. But like, and it's not to say that he can't you know rise up. And if you're a coach like in his position, you know what the 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 good news is is that in a sense, yeah, the bar is high because hey, this team went to an NBA Finals. But then the bar is also low because they know the situation that he's inheriting. And if you're a new NBA head coach, it's like, and also him, he himself, like he was a former player. So he knows how to talk to the guys. And I think guys like in, in from my experience and opinion and like talking with them, they've always added a little bit more respect to coaches who've played the game. Like sure. someone they can empathize a lot better with them. Um, and they know what they're asking from them. Uh, and so they're not afraid to, get challenged by a coach that played. Uh, so when I think about Joe, like I think I think he's in a good position to show what he can do as a coach. And if this goes well for him, then, you know, hey, like, and, and if Yudoka comes back, then he could potentially be coaching another franchise in the future um, as a head coach, the same way that Luke Walton had his opportunity too with the Warriors. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky one. Um, but I think ultimately it's going to be a cool story to observe how it unfolds for the Celtics, for the Celtics, because they could essentially bomb the season. Like just say theoretically, like maybe they come and by bomb, I mean like they come between nine and you know six, maybe because they're still going to make the playoffs, but maybe they don't like finish super high in the standings. Um, but then people are going to understand that, right? People are going to be like, oh, well, new coach and bad start to the season, blah, blah, blah. But then if they finish super high, then it's like, 
well, you know, we got a new coach and, you know, he's a, he's a great like addition and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, it's like a, it's a fail proof system almost for Joe. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'd actually be very interested to see because um, I, I do think this is really going to show very specifically in terms of Ime Udoka, like what impact that he had as a coach, like, like, yeah. on the team. because, you know, if, if you assume that none of the, none of the, you know, none of the off season storylines actually happen and they return the same team with the same coach, you know, I think everybody, you know, had the Celtics at the very top and, you know, possibly, you know, being the best team in the East and all of that stuff. So no, I'm very curious about that. What's your, what's your next storyline, Savannah? Okay. Can we, uh, get away from the NBA and talk about, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm going to pull an Alex. I'm just going to not talk about basketball. How about that? <laughs> Can we talk there's about, only, there's only room for one of these people in, in every, <laughs> it's definitely not the producer. <laughs> um, we could talk about Victor Wempenyama for a oh, minute. Oh yeah. No, I, yeah, no, I think, I think you're right to put this here because yeah. Um, like just watching the highlight clips, from last week it's like i've seen clips floating around like in the past like year or so but like seeing him at that level and seeing the things that he was able to do like i'm a very skeptical person when it comes to just like uh draft prospects and things like that yeah I'm like i'm like oh my god like, yeah I th- no, I think I'm... That, yeah like this this is like ridiculous and i think someone put it the best um there was a report one of the scouts said if lebron was coming out in the same year he'd be a clear number two mm-hmm. and I think that's the best way to put it. Um, but yeah, the Wemayama thing will be interesting. Interesting in a sense of like, I feel like if teams want to tank, they got to start tanking like right now. Yo, that's what I'm saying. This is why this is an NBA story, in my opinion, because yeah. I'm almost curious to see who's going to tank. <laughs> like, it's tank season, baby. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be very interesting to see who is trying to get Wemayama. And honestly, like, I almost, I was thinking about, I'm like, which team? like doesn't need a player like him like which team like couldn't use him or like is not as like he fits every team like he's a player that like it doesn't matter the system that he's in like you want this rookie that is just no like has these measurements and the skill like he's getting he's drawing comparisons to to people like kareem abdul jabbar Mm -hmm. and like we are really talking about like a, a once in a generation yes um, and you know what we are overdue for this type of player alex we are overdue yeah well i think it's like, cool too i think it's cool that it's um you know his background and we've seen like like the top players right now in the nba like a majority of them are international players right like you look at Giannis, you look at nikola Jokic, um you know joel Embiid. who else am i missing luca like so yeah. many of these guys and it, i think it's cool like i think it'd be really cool for like whatever like this like symbolic like passing of the torch from like the lebron steph kd like era and now you've got guys like Giannis and luca coming up and then you bring in one by yama like it's 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 gonna be great it's really gonna be great for like just yeah my whole thing is just make sure that like uh, victor like he he stays healthy make sure that he puts on a lot more muscle um which is expected he's so young right like we forget how young these like they're boys like they're literally like they're we compare them to grown men but they're yeah. really boys when they're like coming out of high school. Um, and and so like as long as he can like build up his body to compete at that NBA level. And if you're a franchise, I'd be so protective over him if you have him as a top pick. Because the last thing you want is like a, Ch- a 
a Chet Holmgren situation, right? Where like, okay, you just tweaked your ankle like immediately or like you you got an injury immediately. Like you haven't even played a minute of NBA basketball. But then maybe it's like, hey, let's let's like hold you off a little bit, develop your body and make sure it just naturally matures. And then we'll throw you into the mix. I think it's a it's a, it's a careful one. But same time, you don't want to stunt their growth in a skill sense either. Um, and, you know, playing in the NBA either way is kind of like a, throw them into the to the fire situation but i'm very excited for him and i I, we're so overdue for a a pick like him i think i know i was i've been saying it to like my friends and family directly i'm like yo when was the last time we've had like a once in a generation player like it's been like lebron of course it's been like those big names but like we haven't had like an upcoming like thing where like the entire world is watching a high school player like or like just out of he's with the obviously ignite um sorry um playing against the Ignite team, but um Yeah, yeah it has he, to be LeBron. It has to be it has LeBron. To be LeBron. Yeah. Even like Zion and some of these other players since that, that that's gotten the hype, like you understand the hype, but they're still very like they're players that fall into a particular prototype, right? Um yeah. that, that you're used to seeing. Like if anything, he's truly one of a kind. Like it's just never seen someone at that height be able mm-hmm. to do everything that he does like you saw that that photo of him reaching for the ball like tapping it out of yeah. a player's hand or, and it was like he the, was so, standing so far back from him too yeah and like it doesn't seem like he's even trying at the time like it's just like he's so physically imposing as it is and then mm-hmm. you see him just like casually dribble to the corner and just like shoot a fadeaway three and there's nothing anyone can do about it and yeah. it's like no it's like what are you supposed to do against that type of player like uh-huh. it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Like I really think when he comes in, like what's the, like, why can't he average 2010 and like five blocks right away? Like, he's really, no, like it's, it's, it's wild. So like, I don't know what the draft pick situation is for some of these teams. Like I'm thinking like, I don't know, like a Washington or something who Ooh. like probably thinks they can win. Like, I don't know, like 36 games or like 40 games. And then it's like, nah, you, you can't even start like, like eight and six or something, you know, like if you're going to tank, like you, you need to get on it because because teams is, are teams are getting on it. Ew. This is gonna be like the worst basketball year to watch the NBA. <laughs> no, I really, I really think by like by like January, February All Star break, you're gonna see like just a huge divide, and I think yeah. you're gonna see it in that play in um, kind of group. Like you're gonna see a lot of teams being like, I'm just not going to want to, you know, compete for this like ninth or tenth spot. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, which team? Which team would you want him to go to? If you could pick. Oh, not the Kings. That's all I could say. Not the Kings. Not, the, not Utah for me either. Not the Kings. Not um, the Knicks. <laughs> I don't mind OKC. Because um, I think then they could just stop doing uh, all the tanking. Because I hate tanking. Yeah, um, me too. Then they can try and win. San Antonio will be hilarious. Because I think oh. then like somehow Greg Popovich is going to stay in coach till he's 95. Literally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you watch House of Dragons at all. Do you watch House of Dragons? No, no. I see all the memes online, though. Are you, okay, are you okay. talking about... Are you talking about uh, uh, the king. Yes, the king, who, um, yeah. who apparently... Lo- <laughs> like, I've seen all the memes. He, like, loses all his... Like, he's just sick all the time. Yeah. No, I, yeah, no I can't go into detail. Yeah, no, spoilers, spoiling, no spoilers, no spoilers, no spoilers. But, but yeah, if, if Victor, if he... Or, sorry, if... Uh, yeah, Victor Wembanyama, it's going to be hard to get used to his name, eh? Um, yeah. If he gets to... Uh, to the Spurs, I think that's a great fit. Just like you're gonna have like the fundamentals, like you're gonna be built up, but also like a bit protected and make sure that you're in the right situations. Like Popovich would be a great coach for him right away. But yeah. if that's not the case, you know, um, there's there's tons of other franchises that 
you know, could use him. I, I kind of don't mind your take on like the Washington Wizards. I could see them trying to go for him as well. Well, low key, I just don't want him in the East. Um, mm. Just like for the Raptors sake, because because I, I really think like once unless the Raptors game, get him. <laughs> yeah, well, well we don't want that to happen because yeah. that, that ensues something. Oh man, no, no, I'm not even gonna go through these scenarios. Um, but like, yeah, I just don't, I just don't want him in the East because I think any team that gets him, like, I think, I think they're gonna be pretty locked in. Like, he's gonna be a problem for like the next decade. Um, yeah, and that's thinking too far ahead. But like, I don't know. Um, all right, what's your what's your fourth storyline? Fourth story uh, has to be the Brooklyn Nets. Like, oh God, I'm is so this of, I'm the so year? Ready. Yeah. Come on, is is this the year? Like, you know, it's like not. Ben Simmons? And, it's not. It's not. It's not Ben Simmons. Kyrie? I think Ben Simmons is going to start transitioning into a phase where we're no longer talking about him as like a potential star. I feel like we're already there with him. Yeah. Um, You know, maybe an elite role player. Um, yeah. You know, like like of that type, but I but I think the hype has worn off there. I mean, Kyrie's on a one year contract there, and clearly was trying to leave. Same um, with Katie. Katie was Katie's? actively trying to fire his coach and you know general manager as How well. How are you trying to fire like Steve Nash, bro? <laughs> Steve Nash, as I've said, like Steve Nash should just like quit his job. Like he doesn't need this. Like Steve Nash just doesn't need this. Like it's it doesn't seem fun to coach that team. <laughs> no, like it's just not I mean, kudos to, to he literally inherited like a superstar team with superstar egos, of course. No, um, so worst, I feel for him. This is the worst two superstars to be paired with, and and you know what? I still blame just the randomness of like James Harden and Kyrie getting hurt um, mm. a couple of years ago. Because like I think if they win that championship, which they probably could have, should have, if if everyone was healthy um instead of the bucks then you know i think everybody's still there and they just figure it out there's probably a lot of drama still but it's like winning a championship would fix a lot of things yeah yeah i would yeah i would but, definitely but uh yeah, I'm just, I don't, is yeah, this no, the year no it's not that's the answer <laughs> okay got it all right I'm with, you. I'm with you though the nets the nets at their very peak could win 60 plus games and make the finals exactly like, it's like, like the talent is there it's yeah. The, the the team that could like yeah, the yeah. little but engine that that could think, you know i think we got to start we got to start considering the human elements and the chemistry of it like way more absolutely yeah like, absolutely like like, uh, like talent aside no like it's just i don't know it's just not there um all right what's your what's your final nba storyline for me okay final one um i'm going to go like a little little og we mentioned him a little bit earlier but uh lebron's legacy um oh, yeah he is 1,326 points away from passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the number one spot in the NBA all-time scoring list. And yeah. based on his career, scoring averages, 27.1 points. Yes, I did my research. Um, he would need 49 games to break that record and uh, score at least, obviously, 320, uh, sorry, 1,326 points in 18 of the 19 seasons that he's already played. So um, he's in, he's in a good track to like get that record broken. And I think that would mean a lot to basketball in general. Uh, and just like kind of, he's getting up there obviously in his age, but it's crazy how his stats are. You could almost, you could literally argue this every single year. Should LeBron be an MVP? You know, even last year, if you looked at his stri- just straight up his stats, he had MVP numbers right up there. Um, but he doesn't get the, the credit 
because we expect that from him now, right? It's not like the new story. It's like, oh, again. Um, but that's not to say that like that's not incredible and like what a treat to have a player like him in the league. Um, and obviously he's on a team that has hmm, the Lakers have uh, have their own. That should be like the sixth storyline, but they have their own uh, issues. But you know, I would love to see him get that that done this season. Yeah, and and you know, I was just I was just um recording a pod with Jake and we were talking about this and he put it really well. He said LeBron he says LeBron is overrated sometimes for all the things that he does off the court and then underrated for what he does on the court. Like like yeah. the things are not balanced. Um and and we were talking about just like remembering how good LeBron was in his prime in Miami. And oh, yeah. I think some of that might get forgotten because they were such a dominant team. And because of the fact that I think that was like his like villain phase in a way where a lot yes. of fans were like actively rooting against Burning him. his jersey. Yeah. And like it was hard maybe for us to really appreciate it. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. You know, I don't. Yeah, I was thinking about this, too. It's like I, I love all these records and stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day and, you know, for for better or worse and probably for worse, like people only going to look at the championships. Right. Like, like when, yeah. when it comes to like legacy talk. And I think LeBron has positioned himself in a way where the longevity and where all these like records is what he's going to make his case on when, yeah. when it comes to talking about greatest of all time. And, um, you know, I, I can definitely see it from that perspective. My more interesting thing with LeBron with his legacy too is like, you know, I don't really see a path. And I think you agree for, for you know, the Lakers to, to really do anything of like significance this year. And, mm-hmm. like, this is coming from someone who wants to give LeBron all the benefit of the doubt, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm sitting here in preseason, and I'm always like, man, really? Like, a team with LeBron and even, like, Anthony Davis, like, this team really just going to be, like, 500 or maybe, mm-hmm. like, 45 wins at best? And then I'm like, yeah, like, I just can't. As much credit as I want to give LeBron, the league is better now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not on as good of a team. Um, and he has slowed down a little bit by, like, LeBron's yeah. standards. Like, this is not 2018 LeBron. Like he's not going to be able to single-handedly carry this team. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's it kind of sucks for me. But like, then I think of guys like Dirk and like Kobe and all these people who like recently retired. It's the same storyline for all of them, right? Like none of mm-hmm. them, none of a lot, none of these players. Like Tim Duncan was probably the last one who went out like contending, and that's because like they had a really good team around mm-hmm. coming up with like Kawhi. Um, so yeah, the legacy thing is really interesting to me. My new legacy story that I'm paying attention to for LeBron is like him versus Steph. Cause mm. they both, cause they're both at four rings. And yep. I think if like, and clearly like, I think we would all agree that the Warriors are in a way better position to, to get Steph his fifth than the Lakers with LeBron. And it's like, you know, there's going to be those discussions too of not like, I think we can agree that LeBron's a better individual player, but it's like, if, Steph gets to five rings or even more, then you could argue that this was his era. Yep. Right. Yep. Exactly. Which I, which I think it's a, which I think is an, in, maybe a more interesting conversation for me than is, like, is, let's compare. But the Steph goals. era, Steph era and, and LeBron era don't directly cross over because LeBron era was also Kobe era. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But I think when people kind of maybe look at both of their careers, cause like, you know, I think they're going to be retiring around the same time. Although who knows with LeBron, um (laughs) but but like when they look back on it they'll be like you know there's an argument to be made that steph was like the whatever player of this era however you want to define that and also the warriors were the team of this era right like 
So I, I think that probably, I don't know if it bugs LeBron, but I, I bet you he cares about that too. You know, if you ask, I'm sure if you ask them in a media sense, they'll be like, I don't care about the accolades, the records, I just want to win, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, because it does go down in legacy. And are are we talking about you as one of the best players ever? And Mm -hmm. I think the conversation always has to be yes, if you you watch any sliver of basketball. But like, it's the same thing as, you know, if you think about like Michael Jordan, right? Some people say, say that LeBron James is a better player than Michael Jordan. And I'm always like, blasphemy wash your mouth right now right <laughs> like and, I, and i'm on the younger end of like the spectrum and i didn't get to see the entire greatness live with michael jordan but like i see the replays i see everything and i'm like yo mj was on a whole different level um but that being said it's like that's gonna you know i don't think lebron wants that to happen to his legacy you know with in this era at least right like oh was it lebron or was it steph you know was it lebron or was it was it kobe and like um you know, kudos to Kobe for for his legacy and everything that he's done. But you know, he's you know, it doesn't help LeBron that he's also playing on the same team. You know, yeah. Like, and, and I think obviously, like you know, the smarter people are able to separate that and just appreciate everyone's legacy separately. Yeah. But like you know, these conversations are gonna come up, and like you know, the the Warriors are forever gonna be linked to LeBron too, because like if the Warriors don't get KD, I think LeBron probably adds like at least another title, right? Because like LeBron had to run into that team two more times in the finals with KD. And they yeah. got completely destroyed. So, like, they're always going to be linked. And if anything, like, LeBron, like, the only bad part about LeBron was, like, he was so good in that 3-1 comeback um, yep. in 2016 that he created the monster in Golden State. Because then, yeah. like, the trickle-down effect, they went and got KD, and it prevented him from winning, like, two more championships. Yep. So, like, that, <laughs> yeah. if I'm LeBron and I'm sitting there, and, like, that's what would bother me. I'm like, I yeah. cannot believe I had a historic finals and I, i'm getting punished for it like i'm actually well, getting huh. if anything i'd be like yeah they had to improve to to even have a shot at defeating me so damn right yeah, you have to add a whole, so a whole new player yeah they added the like arguably the next best player in the league yeah. um which which was which was ridiculous but yeah i think lebron's legacy will be interesting and you know you know again knock on wood like barring injuries he's gonna break that scoring record and i've seen people put out uh, predictions of like the probability of which game it will be and the raptors are very high up there in terms of the probability of which game he'll break the record mm-hmm. <laughs> so that'll just add a you know another wonderful chapter to lebron versus toronto yep yes it will exactly exactly no, want, if, if if lebron is like three points short like i want nick nurse to just punt the game and just put four guys on him <laughs> like yo no records yo. no record setting just You're no mean. record setting <laughs> you are mean it depends on how much of a lead toronto has like you know if toronto's <laughs> winning the game by like no, no, 20. no, because by then okay. Toronto will be like 46 and 14, you know, comfortably, you know, in the second seed and all that. And it's like, okay. let's, just, let's just punt this game. Like, like this is like, this is like, um, like baseball managers intentionally walking uh, like Aaron Judge as he was going for like his 62 home runs. Like, you just don't yeah. want that record on you. I don't yeah, know. Exactly. I, feel, I feel like Nick Nurse would be the coach to pull something like that. Yeah, but it's, it's funny because like how many records have been set against Toronto? Like, oh. My no, goodness. but I mean, we've Kobe. already got the we've already got the eighty one, uh, Jordan. Or, you know, yeah. like you mentioned from Kobe, and it's like, do, do we want another one of these? Um, we don't. I, I know, listen, I know the franchise has like you know obviously gone to a different place now with the championship, and like we're no longer just like a laughing stock. But still, you know, there is a part of me that's like, no, I don't, I don't want that record set against. Nobody us. wants that record set on them though. So yeah. fair enough. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see about that. But Savannah, man, I really appreciate 
your time. Um, again, you know, congrats to your Thank new you. role as Sportsnet Raptors sideline reporter. Let let people know. I'm sure they know already, but let people know where they can uh, follow you and and find your work. Yeah, I mean, uh, here's here's the plug. It's uh, at Sav S A V Hamilton eleven. So that's on my Instagram. That's on my Twitter as well. Those are the two main things I talk yeah. about basketball. And watch Sportsnet, I guess, if if you want to see Savannah. Um, hey. during the season um and make sure you watch the raptor show as well because uh we will be pressing savannah um to to continue making appearances um and especially yeah. now because you're going to be on the road we're going to need like some kind of insider report maybe you know things that you weren't able to talk about on air during a broadcast you know feel free to bring that on the raptor show oh absolutely i already brought one <laughs> today <laughs> that wasn't on the last broadcast that i had which is the that's Nick right that's right delano stuff too so there you that's go right. absolutely oh, there we go appreciate it appreciate you producing this episode um everybody Thanks. check out all of savannah's work um i'll be back soon jr hit the outro music thank you, thank you.